As we had been looking into this new series that kicks off uh, today, one of the things that uh, the Lord stirred in our heart was um, that we might uh, have a song that was uh, specifically for uh, the people here in these moments. And so uh, Clark did a great job uh, writing that song and allowed me to hang out with him for a little bit of that and just a really neat process of uh, just thinking about what it looks like to, um, to live in a moment like we're in where it seems like all the odds are stacked against you, right? We're, and really, we're, we're in a place in the scripture. If you're joining us this morning, we are kicking off a new series, but it's in the midst of kind of a part of a bigger story of scripture. We've been walking through the grand narrative of scripture and we transition this morning into the book of Joshua. And so uh, if you are uh, connecting with us and you haven't been involved in our churchwide reading plan, this is a perfect time to jump in. You'll see copies of that online at cowie.church forward slash disciple. You'll see those in the app. You'll see printed copies of that. And what we're doing as we walk through the scriptures, you kind of get the rest of the story through the week. And then we're coming back uh, together in these moments and we're leaning in um, just together in the word of God. And we've reached a critical time in the story uh, of, of scripture. We've reached a, a critical time in the lives of the children of Israel. We've been walking through the book of Deuteronomy and we've uh, been in these moments these past few weeks where uh, the children of Israel, right, they're on this side of the Jordan and they're, uh, they're prepared to go in and God is, is going to send them in and, and to take this land that he has already promised them. But we know this setting, right, they're, they're in a place where uh, their parents, right, had not trusted God and his promises and uh, had not been able to enter in to this land. And so Moses is teaching this next generation and he's, and he's teaching them how they are supposed to live in this land. He's teaching them uh, what they should do and how they should live as they go into the promised land. And so in Deuteronomy, in the first three chapters, he gives them this history. He gives them uh, just this summary of God's faithfulness, right? In the midst of their unfaithfulness, of, of all God has done and all he has provided, all this history in those chapters. And then in chapter four, as he turns the corner uh, from this time of this speech about history, he, he's, he gives them this, this picture, right? And Moses is going to give them this speech and then he's going to go and he's going to die on the mountain, right? Remember Moses was disobedient. And so Moses is going to be able to look into the promised land, but he's not going to be able to enter. And so we're in that kind of moment where a transition of leadership is going to take place, where so many things are at stake. And Moses uh, leans into them and he says this in Deuteronomy chapter four. He says, only give heed to yourself, this is verse nine, and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen so that they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Moses says, hey, listen, care for your soul diligently. He said, it's not gonna be easy. You're gonna have to work at this and you're gonna have to be patient and you're gonna have to, 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 to lean in and not forget what you've seen, not forget all the things that God has done. And don't even dare think about not telling your kids about it. He said, you're to pass this down to your sons and your grandsons. And there's a generations ahead of you that need to know about who our God is and about how faithful he is and about how capable he is and about how awesome he is. And here the children of Israel are against all odds. They're going to enter this land, but God has already given this land 
to them, right? And Moses is in this moment, right? Moses dies and we end Deuteronomy and Moses dies and the children of Israel, we read the the description of their weeping and mourning that they mourn for for a period of 30 days. And and then God uh, says to Joshua, he says, "Now, now get up. And cross that Jordan into the land that I've given you. And he, he says, Joshua, he said, you're going to lead these people. And, and, and I can imagine the fears and the transition of those moments. And I can imagine uh, Joshua in those moments and the people in those moments. Moses, the great lawgiver, is dead. And now Joshua is commanded to lead the children of Israel into this promised land. And, and he gives him some instructions. He said, now, Joshua, and, and over and over in chapter 1, he says, be strong and courageous. And he tells him to meditate on the word of God and, and to meditate on it day and night. And to not let that word depart uh, from your mind, to, to lean into that to meditate on it and then he says be strong and courageous for I am with you he said the Lord your God is with you wherever you go he goes on and he says prepare the people have them to consecrate themselves prepare for the work that's going to take place he says consecrate yourselves they go through this ritual cleansing and they prepare themselves for this moment that God is going to do an incredible work among them where God is going to lead them into the promised land where they're going to cross the Jordan. And they, they go through this and God does a miracle among them the next morning. The priests put their feet in the water and the presence of God, right? The Ark of the Covenant goes uh, before them and the flooding waters of the Jordan, they stop and the people cross over on dry land. That's right. And that brings us to our text today. God's miraculously brought them into the promised land. He's been so faithful, right? And while they are, while the priests are still in the water, while the Jordan waters are held back, he gives them some instructions because just like us, we can be a, a forgetful people. And it's easy to get caught up in the craziness and the busyness. And he gives them a memorial to remember the faithfulness of God. The priests are in the Jordan. Everybody's crossed over. We pick up in Joshua 4, uh, beginning in verse 1. And he says, Now when the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge Tonight, So they get these stones and they set up this pillar, this memorial uh, that would be uh, memorialize this incredible milestone in their journey into the promised land, right? And in verse 21 of that same chapter, you say, what are these milestones for? What is this memorial for? And he says this to the sons of Israel in verse 21, when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, what are these stones? Then you shall inform your children saying, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed, that all the peoples of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So when we think about these memorial stones, we think about a milestone, right? There's this heart of that that is remembrance. There's this heart of that is that that we would not forget the faithfulness of God in our life, that we would not forget all that God has done and that we we would tell those things right to the generation that is behind us, that we would pass those things along to our children and our grandchildren and that we would walk in obedience to his plan and for a season as a staff and as a faith family, we've been looking toward a time that we would launch a 
kind of new approach and a comprehensive uh, approach to where each of us fit in the midst of God's call for us as followers of Jesus Christ and as a faith family to see our faith pass to the next generation, to see uh, the faith handed down from generation to generation. And we launched this today along with this new series, Against All Odds, and the reality is that, that in light of all that's around us, it's against all odds that we'll do that with success. But God. Direct your attention to the screen. Against all odds, faced with mountains too tall to climb, valleys too dry to thrive, circumstances too destroyed to be salvageable, systems broken in need of repair, history too set to be changed, and the odds just keep stacking up against us. But to that we say, you don't know our God. He has defeated death, he has conquered the grave, and has rescued me. I was dead in my transgressions and sins, living in the ways of this world, gratifying the cravings of my flesh, deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, for me, God being rich in mercy made us alive, made me alive. We may have lost a battle, but the war has already been won. We don't fight for victory, but from victory. Against all odds, God overcomes. So against all odds, we're going to kind of lean into this today as uh, just a family. And as Clark showed earlier, we kind of wanted to just be in a, a setting where we we're just kind of all together in a family worship time. We'll talk about that a little bit more toward the end. And I invited our, our next generation kind of staff uh, to come and be part of this morning as we just share a bit of what God has been stirring in our hearts and, and where every one of you fit in the midst of uh, God's plan. And we're just going to lean in there this morning. Uh, if, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jason Smith. I'm uh, the pastor here. I've been married for uh, 25 years this December. I have a teenage daughter uh, who will turn 16 in July. can't hardly believe it. And a young man, her name is Hope, and a young man uh, named Grant. That Not, not a young man named Hope, but um, <laughs> let's get that straight. Um, I have a teenage daughter named Hope that'll turn 16 in July, a young man named Grant that uh, turns 13 in October. So that's kind of the season of life that we uh, are in. And I'm uh, Chris. I'm the student pastor here. And 12 years this summer to married to Lindsay. We have uh, five children, four are um, ours biologically, and we've been blessed to adopt a six-month, or not adopt, <laughs> foster um, a six-month-old uh, for however long uh, the Lord sees fit. And our uh, children range from nine years of age uh, down to two and to six months. So, yeah, glad to be here. My name is Kelly. I'm the children's ministry director here at Cowie, and I am not married, and I don't have kids. <laughs> so, hey, this is for young and old, right? And we all have a place in the, in the midst of this um, one of the things we're going to see today is we're going to start kind of where we're at um, and just embrace God's call for us in whatever season that we are in. Um, so let's pray together as we uh, open up this morning. Father, we're grateful um, 
Lord, just to be part of your family. And Lord, we're grateful that we can see from the very beginning of your scripture, God, that you have called a people, Lord, to be fruitful and to multiply, Lord. And in that, we see uh, that the multiplication, Lord, was a multiplication of worshipers, of those that would lift high your great name, Lord. And we see throughout the storyline of scripture, Lord, so many times we are unfaithful. But God, you continue uh, to demonstrate your faithfulness. And ultimately, Lord, through the uh, through the cross of Christ and through the incarnation, through Jesus coming and living uh, the life we couldn't live, Lord, dying in our place on a rugged cross and then offering us a righteousness, Lord, that we could not attain on our own, Lord, that, that, that against all odds, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've been empowered and equipped and called to go and to make disciples of all generations. And Lord, we see that it begins in the family and it goes to the world. God, you desire to use every one of us as part of furthering your kingdom. And Lord, we pray, God, that today would be a significant day in the lives of every person, God, in the lives of every family. And Lord, that we might leave here changed, not because of anything uh, of our words, God, or, or, but because of your spirit, God, and because of your truth, because of your word. God, we love you and we thank you for loving us, Lord, and we ask for your blessing on our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So as we think about this kind of thought of against all odds, I want to share some kind of gloomy news uh, at the beginning, right? The statistics are not very good when it comes to the family, right? Brokenness in the family is everywhere. Statistics say that four in 10 marriages will end in divorce. 41% of children are born out of wedlock. 60% of couples are cohabitating prior to marriage. Blended families are almost as common as natural nuclear families, and a large portion of children will live with only one parent. 40% of our children go to sleep at night with no dad at home. Among minority populations, that statistic goes up to 70%. In the innermost uh, inner cities, it rises to above 80%. A fatherless generation is now raising children. Interesting statistics, children without fathers are four times more likely to live in poverty, are more likely to suffer emotional and behavioral problems, have higher levels of aggressive behavior than children born into married homes, have two times the risk of infant mortality, more likely to go to prison. Only one in five prison inmates grew up with their father present. Uh, the number of adults, this is a crazy statistic, right? The number of adults who identify as a Christian, you can look at uh, statistics through the years and recent statistics are showing just a tremendous quick decline in those that would identify as followers of Jesus or as Christians. They've declined from 78% to 63% over the last few years. In that same time frame, 16% of people uh, in that time frame identified as, as those with a religious preference of none, like I don't have any uh, belief there. And then now 29% uh, of adults would identify as nothing is none. A growing number of students that attend church um, no longer attend church after they uh, have graduated from high school. Two-thirds of, of young adults uh, after high school um, that attended church regularly during their high school years uh, find themselves disconnected from church for at least a year. Two-thirds of emptiness parents in the church, in the church, have at least one adult child who is far from God. And, you know, we think about those things, and, and maybe some of those statistics are in places that you are at this morning, and we don't come uh, in this series and in this 
message in any way to condemn and to, uh, to paint a picture of no hope, but we come in the midst of a series like this to say that we have a God who works against all odds. And because he's overcome the grave, right, that, that, that there is hope in the midst of these moments, but we recognize the brokenness that is around us and the call that we have as followers of Christ to make a difference. But when we look at these statistics and we look at the way that many times this world operates, we can't help but wonder why we're in the place that we're in. Yeah, and preparing for today, just wanted to share a little bit of just my heart and, and what I believe we see in Scripture and um, just to go along with those statistics that we um, just recognize that it's very daunting, uh, just those statistics. And it, and it does seem like we're against all odds. But um, the reality is when we look at Scripture and we look at life and society and culture, we look at family through Scripture, we see something of a, some kind of a disconnect not some kind, but a very big disconnect. You know, e- even in our scripture from this week, have we been reading that God, how God was going to deliver them and how he, was, he gave them order and design of how, how to cross over into the Jordan and, and how they were going to possess this land. And um, God gave them all these commands and all, all, all this truth in these scriptures to walk in obedience to. But then on the flip side, he also showed and, and he also told of us, and he told of them, and he tells us throughout Scripture, Old Testament to New Testament, of these warnings, that if we are disobedient and we don't do these things, if we don't remember who God is, and we don't remember to glorify him, to worship him, of these consequences. And I believe these numbers here, it's, it's a great um, indicator of the consequence of our disobedience. Um, our disobedience to, uh, to God, to his word, to uh, our, our ignorance, to his truth and his promises. And I don't know if we would, should expect anything less than what we see. Um, I've been going through a book that's been very challenging to me. Um, and it's a, a book called The Intentional Father. And he talks about five different fathers. And he talks about the um, irresponsible father and the ignorant father, and the inconsistent father. And he talks about the involved father. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's me. But he talks about one more, which I believe we all should strive to be, and that's the intentional father. Hmm. As we look through Scripture, we see how very intentional God the Father is. From the very beginning of all creation, how he designed things perfectly and on purpose and with a purpose and for a purpose, and how he also designed our relationships, our relationship with him, our relationship with others, very intentional and very purposeful. And so we look at these statistics and we say, and it's all pointing back to a father issue. Um, and probably the majority of us would agree that many of our issues root and go back to a father issue. From this book, I want to read a quote that was very, very challenging. And the quote says here, when there's no older generation intentionally ushering boys into manhood, when there's no tribe of mentors or fathers taking their sons on a predetermined path, many of our young men try to establish themselves attempting to walk through the wilderness of adolescence with the hope that somehow they will find their way into adulthood on their own. But look around and you will see, as we just read these statistics, you will see where this self-initiation is getting us. Look around to the rates of teen pregnancies and STDs and violence, 
Look at the number of young people engaging in self-harm. Look at the suicide rates. Look at the rape culture on our college campuses and the porn addiction epidemic. Young men, while attempting to self-initiate their way into manhood, are actually carrying their adolescence into adulthood. We are surrounded by adult men who, in actuality, are nothing more than teenagers still trying to find their way, hurting and abusing those around them, all while thinking it's some kind of amusing game. That's, that's heavy. That's heavy as a father. That's heavy as a, as, as a pastor, as a friend, as a brother in Christ. That's heavy to, to think about all that we are called to do. And it is against all odds, you know? But the reality is God is merciful and God is good mm. and God has given us a predetermined path. He has given us the answers to raising up our children in the ways that they should go. And it's through his word. And it's also heavy when we think about this, to think about how many of, of in student ministry, how many in church and in neighborhoods and in, in our society that don't have a father. Thinking about single mothers and thinking about, you know, how does that all work and how does that all fit in? But then you think about and we look at scripture and God tells us how that fits in. That there was a Timothy who had a faith that was found first in a grandmother and a mother and it was passed to him. And how God gave a Paul the mission, the, the, the heart to, to raise up and to disciple a young man and to be a godly man. And so we see a beautiful design how God redeems our brokenness and how he can. And the reality is it's through relationship, discipling relationships that starts in the home. Because this represents these, these uh, what are they called? Lemon heads. Lemon heads. Or jelly beans. Jelly beans. <laughs> these, <laughs> these jelly beans, I don't know my it represents the time that, that the church has with your family, with your children. And it's very limited. And, and these jelly beans represent the time that you have with your children, with your family. And, and the numbers are there. And so these, th this time, this, this discussion is for how do we equip, how do we come alongside families to thrive in this broken world, to, to see young men and young women thrive in their faith, to not leave their faith. And so that's our desire as we continue to meet here and we continue to talk just in, in, in just real life, that we want to come alongside of you and equip you in a great way to see God do amazing things first in and through you fathers because I need, I need you. I can't do it alone. It's not God's design. So I need you, my, my son, my children, they need you. And so I'm asking for fathers to be intentional, to redeem their family altar to redeem their fire and their love for their children, their love for God's word, because I, I need you and my children need you. And then for the whole family, for our, for our, our singles and, and, and those in between, and I'm taking stuff with Kelly, so I'm shutting up. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, 
Well, kind of what Chris was saying there, like a lot of what we're talking about today is kind of directed at the family. And as somebody who's single, we can kind of get into this mindset that this doesn't apply to us and we can just check out. And I want to urge you that that's not the case at all. Um, in fact, you have even greater time to, to pour into your church family um, because you may not, you may be a single mother you or a single father, um, single, widowed, um, have empty nest, like this applies to every single person in this room. Um, you have a family here and what are you doing for your church family and what can you do? Um, and so I want to kind of pinpoint um, a word that Chris was using a lot is intentionality. And the reality is, is you mentioned a quote a lot where you will never be able to lead farther than where you were at. And so if you're in a family and you're, you're wanting to lead your family to a certain place, you can't lead them farther than where you're at. If you're involved in a ministry, you cannot lead your small group or um, your student group farther than where you are at. So if you want to change your life and your family's life, it starts with you, and that's surrendering your, surrendering your life to Christ. Um, love God and individually and be intentional. Um, I'm reminded of Daniel in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, where he said that he had decided in his heart, and in some translations it says that he had made up his mind. And so we want to make up our minds um, and to lead and to be so in, in, intentional and just in Christ and be on fire for him and everything that we do. And from that, it overflows into your daily rhythms of life. And so we kind of can get into a mindset where we're just leaving everything up to chance and just uh, waiting for the next wave to hit us, getting through the next day. Um, but we don't drift towards holiness, and we expect that. We expect to not be in our word and still be at a place um, where we can know that God is there for us and our worth in him. And um, Yeah, so if you're not intentional with holiness, you're going to drift to the world. And so as a church, as a staff, we want to just meet you where you're at um, and help all that we can, because as Chris mentioned before, we really don't have that much time just as a church, as a staff. Um, and the church was never designed to do all of it, um, but we can help and offer resources and support. And that is where Milestones comes in. Yeah. So as we think about these milestones and, and what does this look like, we're going to introduce a, a kind of a concept and a, a, a ministry that will take place um, that really a launch today in that direction. And what we see in scripture, you know, a lot of times the model that has recently kind of been adopted and we can see the results from it is kind of take your kids to church and fill up that little yellow bottle and Pastor Chris will teach them everything they need to know or Kelly will give them what they need in kid men. And we can kind of see how that's been working. But what we see in scripture is that parents are the primary disciples and the church has a role to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and that we are equippers in this uh, this journey together and partners alongside. And so these milestones are places where we just recognize that like life is going, we're kind of running down the highway, everything is flying and we want to pull along, pull offside and we want to engage with families, with parents, with, uh, with those that are in a legacy uh, moment in their lives. And we want to pull off at key moments along the way. And, and we want to just lean into those moments and say, here's, here's a uh, a few things to lean into. Here's a few things that we want you to know about this phase in your children's life. Here's a few things 
that you can do as parents to be prepared for uh, this area of life. Here's a way that uh, you can engage and breathe in to your kids in this season. And so uh, it begins with something that'll take place in May. So uh, if those of you, there'll be some of you that'll be taking part in a parent-child dedication on May 1st and others of you that may want to take part in something like that. Uh, Kelly, you can tell us a little bit about how that works. And Yeah, so the parent-child dedication is the first milestone. Um, and this is where you begin to think about the discipleship process for your children. Um, and so you want to just start from the beginning um, with the end in mind of being directed towards Christ and want your child to live a life of Christ. And so this is a time uh, where in service you publicly commit to this, um, but it's a class um, before then. So. All right. Yeah, and then we have one that's called the early years. So after you get some of your sleep back because of this new born child and hopefully a sleep schedule is a little bit better, we have the early years. And so we want to pull back off the highway. We want to intentionally look and examine how, how are we doing, what rhythms have we developed in our life, or do we need to develop in our life, in our, in our faith walk? How, how do we incorporate um, a, a toddler into family worship? And so we want to intentionally, you know, think about that. Think about that, hey, you have 3.5 hours a week just in drive time on average with your child. How do you leverage that to, to, to continue to grow their faith? Um, and then after that, we have another milestone. It's called uh, the first day of school. So again, um, you're trying to figure out these rhythms and then the first day of school. So there's going to be a whole new world. Do you homeschool? Do you send them to public school? Do you send them to private school? What should you do? What are the options? What is this going to look like? What, how does that change up our schedules and family dynamic? And again, another milestone to just intentionally look back to where we started at, at, at parent-child dedication. How are we doing? Um, and how do we adapt? How do we continue to repurpose the time and the resources to set our family up to thrive, to have a, a, a strong, healthy relationship for our faith to, to really be the center of our life. Yeah, and, and each of these places have unique challenges and unique um, struggles that you walk through as parents. Many of you have recognized that as you've parented children. The next one is preparing for adolescence, and all of a sudden you're preparing for those teenage years, and, and I don't know uh, about some of you parents, but all of a sudden, this is the, the kids are in a spot where they're trying to figure out who they are. They're struggling with their identity. Uh, for our family, this was a season where Hope had been daddy's little girl for her whole life, like everywhere I was, she was, and we were just always hanging out, and it was always uh, just connected in those moments. And then all of a sudden, she got to be uh, in that kind of time frame in her life, and all of a sudden, and this is going to be a surprise to everybody, but I wasn't cool anymore. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it either. Like, I was so surprised. And, and, you know, in those seasons, like I told Sherry, I was like, what happened to our girl? Like, somebody pick her up and drop off this other kid? Like, all of a sudden, I mean, I was thinking, what in the world happened? And then, you know, in those moments, there were, Sherry always listens to like focus on the family and family life. And in those moments, Hope was kind of pulling back from me and she was becoming a little distant. And, uh, and I was in a spot where Grant and I, he was getting old enough to like to do man things, right? And he was craving that attention. And so it was very easy for me in that time uh, to just become like me and Grant hang out and, and almost like, I almost just wanted to pull back even because like if you're, you know, being kind of that way, it's, it's really, that's just a natural reaction in the flesh. And Sherry would send like podcasts because she knew I was struggling. And in those podcasts, it would say, hey, during these seasons, this is the moment that they're going to pull back and want to 
uh, kind of disconnect, but actually this is the moment that they need you to lean in the most, right? And so uh, it, it was just those reminders that even though she didn't seem like she wanted that, that I needed to continue to pursue her and continue to, uh, to, to pursue that relationship and continue to grow in that. And then uh, there was a, a, a snowbird camp, right, where we, all, our students went to snowbird camp and all of a sudden Hope came back and it was like she was back. <laughs> so I was like, my girl's back, right? And, and and I was reminded in those moments, right, of the partnership between the church and the family and how it's just like a bicycle with two pedals. Like we're working together and I treasure those moments. Then now, license to drive. Yes, license to drive. And how it's, it's, it's more than just a time where, where, where our students are, are getting their license and more independence. But it's really this, this look now. It's, it's just a, sh- a few uh, short years and, and they're into adulthood. And so how, how are we doing in this area, how are we equipping them to have their bags ready and to send them off to, a, to another country, uh, send them off to, to the whole uh, other side of the United States? How are we ready? Are our children ready? And so intentionally equipping the family and, and to, again, look back with the end in mind, how are we doing? How are we raising them up to be godly men and godly women, right? Women and men that are ready to do hard things, to own their faith, to exercise their faith. And so, again, another natural time when, when, when parents are like, I don't know what to do, right? A time where we can help resource and that we want to intentionally look. We want to look back to Scripture and look back to, to God's Word and truth and continue to point our families and, 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 and our, our students in the right direction back to the Lord. Yeah, these are moments. It's almost like a rite of passage at that age where we're looking into their life and saying, this is what it looks like to be a godly man. And this is what it looks like to be a godly woman. And by the way, uh, for our students, this is not the moments in your life where you check out and do whatever you want, right? This is the greatest mission field that you might have in, in your, uh, your high school years, in your middle school years, and in, in all your school years where you have people that God has placed around you that you can breathe into. You know, we look back even to the adolescence and preparing for that. You know, I hear people say sometimes, well, the church never taught us about sex. The church never taught us about those kind of things. Well, I want to remind you a couple of things in that preparing for adolescent stage. That's where we're going to come alongside and talk about how that looks as a parent and how that looks to come alongside your children and to, and to breathe into them and teach them. Because what we see is that the person that teaches our children about that, whoever does that in their life, that they have the most authority and the most influence in that area of their life. And so we use things like Passport to Purity, where we'll encourage you to take a retreat uh, with your student and to lean into those times together and to teach them uh, the truth uh, about those things. And, and when you say sometimes, well, well, the church didn't teach us about this, I want you to understand something, that, that, that the church is us. The church is you as parents, and it is your responsibility to teach your children what it looks like to walk in the ways of the Lord when it comes to, to sexuality, when it comes to all these things. And it's our job to do everything we can to equip that and support that. And yes, there are going to be moments where our student ministry comes alongside that. But the reality is y'all don't want me to teach them about that this morning, like in a group setting like this, right? Okay, that's right. I was just checking because we got time. But... <laughs> So then we look at launch, and launch is, is this time for parents where we say, okay, your kids are going to be leaving. Now, how do we engage? What does it look like with college campuses? And how do we equip them as best as we can to engage uh, and continue in the faith as they leave? What role do you have now as you shift in uh, to, to parenting an adult child and this role of advisor and friend, this dynamic that, that shifts in those moments as they move into young adulthood? 
Yes, so young adulthood is actually a class that's more geared toward the student themselves rather than the parents. Um, and so as you're leaving your, your parents' rule, or maybe you're just staying at home, but you still have a lot of freedom um, as you go to college or the workforce or the military, et cetera, um, there is a temptation to pull away from what steps and milestones have been brought to you before. Um, and so maybe you need to study for like chemistry tests or whatever. So you're going to skip youth ministry or something um, or pull back from church or maybe not get into the Bible as much. But it's during this time that we really want to help um, help you stay focused on a life in Christ. And uh, I just want to speak for myself here. Um, like going back into student ministry and, and leading a small group, it's like the greatest thing ever. Um, it's challenging to you because students will ask you questions and you're like, that is a very good question. Let's circle back to that next week. Um, and you're constantly growing. Um, and so instead of pulling back and maybe you're single and you have some time where you can pour into students, like they, I think the statistic is if they have five people that are constantly pouring into their lives, the chances of them leaving the faith whenever they get to this young adulthood time goes down significantly. And as they're going into the world, the world's going to tell them a bunch of things and going to try to confuse them. But if you are, are in the word, if you're being intentional with your time with God, um, you'll be able to recognize lies because you'll know the truth. Yeah. And, and we like to say often that it's not how much we can protect our children from the lies, but how much they know the truth. And as young adults, one of the things I found out is in that season where all of a sudden I wasn't cool, like I couldn't believe it, but I wasn't, that Kelly was cool. And these, am. yeah, she's still cool. She's still, still. <laughs> um, she's okay. And so, and so what we see though, is that you young adults and you, high school students and you that there are people like all of us need Paul's in our life, people that are further along than us that are breathing into our life. And we need to be breathing in to those that are younger than us, those Timothy's in our life. And you have an opportunity and a platform to live for Jesus and to make a difference. And, and there's such a tendency in this world that says to check out and, and to, you know, not to worry about those moments. And, and you can kind of live how you want to and do all those kind of things. But, but the reality is that God's called you to engage and, and to make a difference in the lives of all those that, that God would allow to be entrusted in, into this fellowship, into those that are, that are in our influence. And uh, it brings us to legacy, really, where there's just this, uh, this reality that no matter where we're at, right? And some of you are in a legacy stage that, that what we're being called to, you know, in the scripture, there is no retirement. Right, and the, the American dream says, hey, you know what? We're going to work a certain amount of years and then we're going to retire and we're going to take it easy and we're going to do whatever. Sometimes I hear people say, you know what? When I was younger, when it comes to kid men or when it comes to those kind of things, I put in my time. Like I'm, I'm done with all that. That is the most unbiblical thing that I've ever seen uh, in my life, right? Sometimes people say, you know what? I don't like kids. And I heard a guy say, you know, if that's your uh, statement, then the, the thing that I would say right off is repent because that is unbiblical, right? You might say, I don't know how to relate to kids. I don't know how to engage with certain things. All those things might be fine. But the reality is that we've been called as a faith family to pass our faith to the next generation and for every one of us to embrace this call in the season of life that we're in. And the, and the reality is that it is worth giving our lives to, that it is worth pouring everything into, that it is worth giving ourselves toward, that it is worth uh, engaging in with all that we 
have, because here's the truth, against all odds, that's what we're facing, right? It is against all odds. The world is stacked against you. This world system, the, the desires of our flesh, all the things, right, are stacked against us, but God, right? And, and we have a God who has overcome the grave. We have a God who uh, longs for his people to walk in obedience to his plan. We, we have a God who is, is more willing and more uh, desiring to see our holiness and our pursuit of him than we are that. And a God that meets us where we're at. You know, the, the reality is that we are in a battle and, and the enemy is attacking the foundation. The enemy is attacking the family. The enemy is attacking things from Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, things uh, that are critical, right, to the family. The, our, our gender, the, the, the male and woman, the, the, the dynamic of what a home looks like, of, of what marriage looks like, of what it looks like to be a a godly man, what it looks like to be a godly woman, what it looks like to function in that relationship in a way that honors Christ and is a beautiful picture of the gospel. And it's against all odds that people walk in that. And it's against all odds that we enter that battle recognizing that the war has been won, that God has, is victorious, right? And it, in our lives through the power of the Spirit that we can walk in obedience to Him and that we can live in light of that. And I want to encourage you with some ABCs uh, that, that came to my heart one morning about three in the morning, I started writing down words and they just kind of hit for, for this time. And I want to encourage you in just a few ABCs of family worship, of discipleship, of this, just embracing this milestone. And the first one is authenticity. That, that here's the thing, you can come together and I want to encourage every family. Last week we're in Deuteronomy 6 and we saw this, this call for every family through the rhythms of life uh, to, to pour into their families. And here's the truth. Our kids can smell a fake quicker than anything in the world, right? They, they can smell a phony. You can't fake nothing because here's the truth. If you're coming in here on Sunday morning and we're putting on our Sunday best or we're doing all those kind of things and we're living like the world on Saturday night and on Friday night and on Thursday night, uh, our kids understand that, that what we're saying and what we're, uh, what we're trying to, you know, this intentional desire that we have to follow Jesus, if it's not working, right, if it's not something that is, is true in our lives, then it's not something we're able to pass down. And, and I want to encourage you to just examine yourselves. Like, are you real? Are you in the faith? Because I'm convinced that part of the reason that there's not a passing down of the faith to the next generation is that there are many people that don't possess that faith to pass down to their children because they've never been born again into the family of God. The scripture says in Matthew 7 that there's going to be many that come to Jesus in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And so I want to ask you, has there ever been a time in your life? Listen, if you're saying I'm struggling to breathe into my truth, I'm struggling to, to walk as a Christian. I'm struggling. I'm asking you, has there ever been a time in your life where you have been born again? The scripture says, unless you've been born again, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The scripture says that there's a work of the spirit that takes place in our life. Now we've, we've uh, migrated and, and sometimes just like we've said, hey, we're going to bring our kids and it's the church's responsibility. It's Pastor Chris and Kelly's responsibility to disciple our children. We've taken an unbiblical approach that said, you know what, if you'll pray this prayer after me, and, and we've, we've taken our kids and we've taken people through this, this, this goal that, that constantly we've said, hey, uh, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Do you do this? Do you do this? Repeat this prayer after me. Okay, you're good. And the reality is that they many times have no understanding of the gospel, that there's many times that the Spirit of God is not working in their life, and we've promised them with these kind of words that says, you know what, if you'll repeat this prayer after me, and you'll fill out this card, and you'll get dunked, then everything will be okay. 
okay. But what we find in Scripture is that salvation comes by grace through faith, and it is uh, responded to in surrender, by in, in repentance, right? That we respond to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. That that we are sinners, right? And, and when we teach our kids, we're we're willing to understand, right, the heart of things that, that we're sinners in need of salvation, and that that God, in His grace and in His love and in His mercy, that He He lived the life that we couldn't live, that He died on a cross in our place, and that He rose from the grave the third day, and, and that we, apart from the work of God in our life, that, that we have no hope that there's nothing that we could do. We couldn't earn our way to heaven. We couldn't live a good enough life, but Jesus lived the life we couldn't live. And by believing in Him, trusting in Him, and surrendering our life to Him, we can pass from death to life. We can be born again into the family of God. We surrender to the call of Christ in our life. And sometimes we're saying, you know what? I, I prayed a prayer when I was this age, and I'm, I'm not beaten up. There's been many people that have responded to the good news of the gospel in, in faith and, and praying uh, to receive Christ. And, and we read in scripture, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. It can definitely be a part of those moments, and many times it is. But I want you to understand, it's not the words of a prayer that saves, but it's the condition of a heart in obedience and surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. In repentance and faith, we believe the gospel and we are saved and we are transformed. And I want you to understand our life changes. And if there is no change, there is no Christ. And so I want you to examine yourself, examine your faith. Are you authentic? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? B is simply this, the Bible. We say, what do I do in family worship? What do I do to help my kids know Jesus? What do I do? You open the Bible and you read it. You open the Bible and you read it. And then you read it like you believe that the God of heaven wrote it. And it is authoritative in our life. And when you read it, the truths that you read from it, you apply those to your life. And when you read the things that you're supposed to do, you do those as a family. When you read those things that you're to stay away from, you stay away from those things as a family. You make your house a house that represents the truth of the Word of God. You read the Bible and you apply it. Consistency, letter C, right? We're consistent in worship. We're consistent in family worship. We're consistent in those things. That doesn't mean that we're perfect, but there is a rhythm of life. We take advantage of the drive times. We take advantage of those rhythms, and we are consistent in those places we desire to do all that we can to equip you for those places. But you have got to say, you know what? I'm going to be consistent in those places in my home. You'll see a few uh, just resources. I, I did a screenshot of the uh, app, a little screen recording that you can see. And you'll see uh, just a resource page that will equip you with some family um, worship uh, opportunity things. You'll see some uh, places that you can sing along. You'll see some uh, resources from Right Now Media that are there. Uh, you'll find those at cowie.church forward slash disciple, or you can get those again through the, uh, through the app. You'll see those coming up. There's our, our reading plan. Um, family worship is down on the left. You'll see the milestone ministry there as well, so you can explore some of those opportunities that are there. But on the family worship page, you'll see some concepts of time moments and milestones, kind of how those work together. Uh, these are all free resources that we've provided uh, through the church. Also a resource there for parents of adult uh, children that are struggling in the faith, uh, just uh, good resources that'll be there to help equip you along the journey. Letter D is discipleship. And so as adults, we encourage and believe that every believer should be involved in discipling relationships. 
uh, that we should have Pauls and Timothys in our life. And so in discipling relationships, there's accountability, there are uh, encouragement, and there's uh, just work around the Word of God. And so we encourage people to be part of D groups, people to be part of small groups, people to be part of those environments where Chris was talking earlier. He says, listen, dads, we need you, right? These same gender groups that are saying, hey, we want to continue to pour into one another and grow in Christ. You'll find ways to sign up uh, to be part of some of those as well. Uh, Letter E is that we're going to measure excellence, not by how good a baseball player they are, not by how good a football player they are. Now, there's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with all those things, uh, but there's going to be a lot of uh, great athletes and great um, sports players and great gymnasts and great dancers and great all those kind of things, right? And, and, and the reality is that we've not been called uh, to make great dancers and ball players and all those kind of things. We've been called to make disciples. We've been called to pass down the faith to a generation. And while there's nothing wrong with those things, and my kids are involved in, in athletics and, and very uh, active in those things, they can't be at the expense of other things. They can't be the main priority in our life. And we've got to see excellence not in the things of this world, but in the things of God. And letter F is fail, right? Because that's what I feel like I've done so many times um, along the journey. And, you know, as, as we've thought about this, this milestone launch, and as I've really leaned in to some of this, there's been this, this kind of mixed tension in it, right? That there's been, like, there's places where my family has gotten it right, and there's places where just the grace of God has worked in spite of us, you know, and I'm so grateful for that. There's been so many places that as a dad, I feel like I've failed. There's been so many places that like I recognized that I needed to be more intentional. And now I'm thinking, man, my kids are almost gone. You know, there's been a season of my life that I've replaced religious opportunity as I've been in seminary and I've been covered with just busyness with all those kind of things. And sometimes I've allowed that and priorities there to crowd out important priorities with my family. And I've allowed those kind of opportunities to replace the responsibilities that God has given me to pour into them. And the reality is that we recognize those failures. And we have a God who all through the scriptures responds with grace and mercy and goodness to repentance. And so when we recognize that we've missed it, and there's been a part of that in my life as I've looked at this. And I thank God for his grace. We respond in repentance and we say, God, all I can do is begin where I'm at. And it's never too late. And he is faithful. And when we come in humility and repentance, and we come with a heart to do his will, and there's a beautiful thing that takes place. And the, and the spirit of God does work. And the grace of God overflows. And, and so that's where I want to, encourage you. I don't know where you're at, but maybe if you felt some of that this morning, maybe if you felt a little bit of that, man, I've missed some of this. Just recognize you're not alone, but recognize you're not alone because letter G is the gospel. God has allowed us to repent, to grow in his grace, to grow in his mercy. Letter H is the Holy Spirit that empowers us, right? We could just keep going. But here's the thing. We want to respond this morning. I want to give us an opportunity. I'm going to ask Clark to come, and, and we're, going to, we're going to worship together. There might be some of us that, I don't know how long it's been since we've been broken for our families. Maybe you have adult children that are, that are lost. 
Maybe you've got parents that are lost. Maybe you've got, maybe you've got this just re- recognition that like in your life, you recognize where you're at and you know that God desires for you to engage in a whole different way in the, in the, in the kingdom of God. That maybe you're in a legacy stage and you say, you know what? I felt like just bowing out. Listen, th- this is not the time to bow out. This is the time to lean in and to live our lives and to pour our lives out for the glory of God and for the gospel to go forth, for, for his glory to be, to be made known among the nations. For, and listen, he begins with the family and it goes into the world. It might be you're a young adult and you've been going your own direction and you say, you know what? I, I recognize that, that God wants to use me to impact a generation. I don't know where you're at. But if you feel like failure in the midst of it, respond in repentance. And his grace will meet you there. His goodness will overflow. There may be families that are on the brink of divorce. There may be families that need a miracle this morning. There may be uh, uh, homes that are in those kind of shapes. Listen, we have a God that works and moves against all odds. We have a God that because of the resurrection, right, that we know uh, that there is nothing that is impossible for him. And so we come in humility. We come in grace. And we come seeking his mercy and his goodness and his grace in our lives. And then he meets us where we're at. I want to ask you to stand this morning. I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. And we're going to worship. But I want to remind you this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus, authenticity is the, the biggest thing that's been on my heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what? When you were talking about all that and I'm not sure that I've ever been saved. I'm not sure of my relationship with God, and I want you to pray for me. Maybe he'd say this morning, I I don't know. There's never been a time in my life where I've repented of my sin and surrendered my life to Christ. I want you to pray for me this morning. If that's you, just lift your hand where you're at. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. But you'd say, you know what? I want you to pray for me. I'm... If that's you and you, today is the day of salvation. Respond in obedience to God's call. Father, we pray, God, that in the midst of these moments, Lord, that all of our response would be surrender. God, that against all odds, you would intersect in the midst of brokenness and families. Against all odds, Lord, that you would come alongside a single mom that hears these statistics and wonders if there's hope and how it all looks. God, we pray for young adults that are wondering what their purpose is, for families just struggling to survive the craziness and busyness of life. God, against all odds, we come, surrender to you, asking for your help and your strength, asking you, God, to do a work in our lives. Lord, help us respond to the places we failed with repentance. And God, we are expecting of your mercy and grace. Lord, we love you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.